Over the past few months, the Davis Tax Committee has released several interim reports with recommendations on South Africa's tax system to the Minister of Finance. Its most recent proposals relate to mining taxes, estate duty and VAT. I'm joined today by Judge Dennis Davis, who heads up the committee. Judge, it's just over two years since the committee has been appointed and tasked with a comprehensive review of South Africa's tax system. Where are we in this process? Well, we're, <laughs> that's a very good question. I think we're probably about two-thirds of the way through. Um, I, we've got at least another year and a half to go. I mean, um, there's a huge amount still to do. Firstly, as you said, we've released interim reports on that, mining tax, um, <clears throat> uh, BEPs, base erosion profit shifting. Uh, in particular, we have the one on state duty. But everything other than the normative framework one, I suspect we're going to get a lot of comment and we're going to have to process those comments. We're still processing the ones on the small business, which we issued a long time ago, to issue our final reports. And then on top of that, we've still got corporate tax. We've still got the question of the appropriate way to raise funds for government expenditure. We've got public benefit organizations still to deal with and tax administration. So you can see there's, uh, uh, you know, we, we've... We just completed something on carbon tax, which we'll release shortly. Um, so we've got a lot of work ahead. You have made certain recommendations around changes to tax policy to the minister, but this does not necessarily mean that these recommendations will be implemented. Can you explain well, how yeah. the process works? Yeah, there are a couple of things I think one needs to understand. Firstly, we only making recommendations to the minister. Our job uh, is, a, is a dual one, if you wish. We're trying to map uh, a normative framework for tax policy, which is congruent perhaps uh, with the National Development Plan, or at least broadly uh, with where government sees its economic policy going. Um, and that, that, as we understood it when we got our mandate, was broadly speaking the National Development Plan. Our job, therefore, is to say, well, 20 years after CATS, in which some of us, or certainly I was involved, you know, um, is our tax policy appropriate and where should it be tinkered with, where should it be changed, where should it be altered? Um, then w- what we're there to do, which has classically happened in a number of our reports, is to provide the government with alternatives to say, if you do this, the consequences are A. If you do that, the consequences are B. And so we guide them to, to, to ensure that the choices that they make and that it's their choice, not ours, after all, they, the politically elected group, not us, um, they then at least have the benefit of our research and our findings on what the consequences of particular policies would be. You issued a statement this week clarifying your earlier recommendations around VAT, which noted that no explicit recommendations were made to increase the VAT rate. Why was this clarification necessary? Well, because, because the media, I'm not blaming you, but because the media got it all wrong. And all sorts of people seem to have got it wrong. I don't know whether they haven't read our reports. Um, but we, you know, we suddenly were receiving all these reports uh, to the effect that why have you recommended a 3% VAT increase? We haven't recommended a 3% VAT increase. What we did was we, apart from a whole range of technical changes to the VAT system, we tracked what would be the economic consequences if significant amounts of revenue were to be raised. So, for example, if the government goes ahead with a national insurance health insurance scheme, where would it raise the significant sum of money required? Now, there are only three real big sources, um, 
company tax, uh, personal income tax, and VAT. And what we tracked was what would be the consequences of all three. We came to the conclusion that on one level, VAT was the most efficient. And we put that up to the government by way of an illustrative example. But we also said that it comes with certain downsides, which is unless you recycle and unless you take out the retrogressive evidence of that, um, so that, in fact, the poorer sections of the community, sadly, are both historically and presently disadvantaged, that those people, which are vast millions, that they aren't hurt by the increase. And if you can't do that successfully, and you can't be sure that you can do it, then it doesn't become a viable option. So all we were doing was giving the government options. We did not suggest for one moment that you know, our recommendation was a 3 or 2% increase in VAT. Where that came from, was I haven't the slightest idea, but it didn't come from us. Turning to your interim report on estate duty, what were your yeah. main concerns in this regard? Well, there are a couple. The, the big philosophical problem is this. Um, we are a country with profound inequality. We, we, we're a country where, um, where the Gini coefficient is outrageous. Uh, it may have been reduced somewhat because of a very successful tax and transfer policy, which, which uh, far too little credit is given for, but, but there it is. And, and the, the real question is, how do you address this inequality? Why should it be that poor people pay a disproportionate amount of the tax, whilst very wealthy people pay nothing, or much less than they should do? And so we were concerned about a lot of things. I mean, obviously, the base erosion and profit shifting was one. And the second was, you know, when people die with vast estates, the present structure of estate duty is bringing in very little money, less than, I think, the international norm dictates, uh, is so, subject to so many loopholes that people get, get away with murder. And what we were trying to do is to close those loopholes to ensure that when people die, that estate actually... Um, ultimately does have a tax, which is a meaningful tax, not an excessive tax, imposed upon it. And what we also wanted to do is to take out, if I could call it obviously poor people, but also ordinary middle-class people who would struggle to pay the estate duty because they don't have large estates. Now, those figures that we put up are, 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 are tentative figures. They're not the final figures, not the final say on the, on the, on, on the deal. But at the end of the day, that was the broad analysis, and we stand by that. We find it extraordinary that people do not understand that at the end of the day, the system must have legitimacy attached to it, and extremely wealthy people should pay their fair share. What are you considering with regard to capital gains tax and wealth taxes? Well, we haven't, we haven't done anything with capital gains tax, and maybe we've got to have a look at that. On wealth tax, in our estate year report, we said that instead of going into a wealth tax at this stage with all the complexities of the design of the new tax, we thought that a properly structured estate duty could do the job, um, as it were, and, and tax wealth uh, at the point of death. Now, I, I fully understand the anxiety of people who say, well, you know, 6 million, which is what you're suggesting, or 12 million combined, may not be enough uh, for all sorts of people. It's unfair to, to surviving spouses, etc., and maybe the figure's got to be bigger than that. I'm, I'm prepared to accept that. But uh, we have to debate that, and we'll see what comes out. But at the end of the day, when people have got very large estates, other than looking after the spouse, if children are properly educated, as dare say, wealthy people's children are, why do we have to say, no, 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 you know, you don't have to pay any money or nothing, derisory amount, on the 50 or 100 million that you leave to your kids. Why should there not be a 20%? 
a rate of tax. And that substitutes for a wealth tax. And since we've got it in practice at the moment, it seems better to improve it rather than to start with something new. Your most recent recommendations relate to the mining sector, which is under yeah. significant pressure due to the fall in commodity yes. prices yes, and rising costs and labor issues. How did this influence your proposals? Well, I think you can see from our report that we were very cognizant of that fact. Uh, you know, it's always very difficult to know precisely, you know, how impoverished and impecunious they are. Quite obviously, when mining companies come and make representations, you know, they seek to put things in the worst possible light. Uh, the other side, if I could put it this way, tries to put things in the fact that the mining house are in the best possible light. The reality is that they are under pressure. And what we thought was at this particular stage was to ensure better neutrality in the tax system between mining and others, uh, to ensure that the system was effective, that the mining companies pay their fair share in terms of the present system. But to start dreaming up new taxes now would be very ill-advised in the precarious situation that our economy is in general and the mining sector in particular. You mentioned that the South African economy is under pressure. That also um, is the case for consumers and the rating agencies are keeping a, keeping a close watch on the country's finances. Where do you currently see most scope to plug the budget deficit? Well, obviously the first thing is government expenditure. Um, obviously the first thing in government expenditure is the reduction of wasteful expenditure, of corruption if you wish. Uh, and other forms of wasteful expenditure. How much that is, your guess is as good as mine. We're given all sorts of figures from 30 to 100 billion. I don't know where, what the real figure is, but manifestly it's a problem. Secondly, we've got to sort of restructure our expenditure away from as much as possible from consumption government expenditure to, to capital government expenditure. So we improve infrastructure, we improve quality of education, we ensure that to a large degree our capital structure, which includes intellectual capital of our children, uh, is, is far improved. So clearly there's a huge focus that must take place on that. Every cent needs to be rolled over and thought about before it's spent. On the government, on the, on the revenue side, um, that was part of the point about the whole that thing, was that we were looking at these various taxes and saying the precarious economy that you have at present would probably be ill-advised to, to think of some major tax increase, whether it be CRT, PRT, or uh, that at this particular point in time, at this moment, because each of them has such deleterious consequences for a fragile economy. But there are ways in which money can be brought in, I think. Um, firstly, by a far more effective administration. Uh, hopefully, if we get the estate easy proposals, there's a couple of billion, not a huge amount, but a couple of billion more in the pipeline there. And I have no doubt that if we plug the holes in base erosion and profit shifting and in transfer pricing, and if we can try to ensure that there's thousands of people, and there are thousands of people, probably some of them listening to a program, who have money outside South Africa and who do not take the amnesty, we should get those people. Those people should pay up or go to jail because they're illegal. And if that money was captured in, I think, if you take the previous amnesty, which brought in broadly about $7 billion, um, you know, there must be about that amount, if not more, available in the system, probably a bit more. And if you work that out, if you can do that, uh, plus little bits and bobs such as the estate duty, you get pretty much to what you got in terms of tax increases last year without any wholesale increase, which may be the best route. I don't say it is, but it's the sort of thing we want to debate, and which is why we're promoting these reports to say, let's have a national debate about this to see what the best system is. We don't say we are the repositories of all knowledge. That's why we're encouraging 
hopefully your your listeners and 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 the various organisations, uh, literally from Kasar to to business, to come forward and talk to us about these issues, so that we can actually get the best policy for this country. Judge, just lastly, in terms of the time frame, which reports are next in line? Well, um, I think the next one issued at some point will be one carbon tax. Uh, and then, quite honestly, uh, and then I think when we finalize it, the small and medium-sized business mark two, which reflects on the uh, feedback that we've got. Uh, and then, uh, to be honest, we're, we're, we've got quite a way to go on the other new reports that we're dealing with. Um, so I suspect those two are next. And then there'll have to be, hopefully by the end of the year, revisions and final reports on some of these interim ones, such as the VAT estate duty at all that we're dealing with. There will, of course, be another report on base erosion and profit shifting, but I don't envisage that until early next year. Judge Dennis Davis heads up the Davis Tax Committee.